Cosmic Canvas Studio presents What Lies Between Sleep. Every single day I spend seven hours translating a document. I don't watch TV. I don't read anything that isn't in French. I've been doing this for the last three months now. Why? Because it's what I need to do in order to get this damn book finished. I keep thinking to myself, Bernard, this could be your life's work here. I mean, I wasn't born to just work in a hardware store, right? This is... This is what I'm meant for. Giallo journalism. Delving into the hidden world. This is Dreamlights, and if you're just tuning in, why? This is a podcast. You can go back to the beginning and listen from the start. Don't just pop in and listen to a random episode. It's like flipping through random chapters in a book. I mean, unless each chapter is a short story, then it would be fine. Sorry for the attitude, I've been up late. <laughs> Ironic, I know. I can't sleep much. Whenever I close my eyes and drift off, all I can see are old French letters. You know, the worst part is I'm not actually learning French here. It's an old dialect that's not used a lot these days, and on top of that, I don't really know how to pronounce or even listen to it. But that doesn't matter, does it? This isn't the French Fluency Podcast. Let's get into it. I have parts 6, 7, and 8 done. And I also have an email that is not a suggestion that the only thing I'll be discovering is how shock therapy works. But we'll get to that email at the end of the episode. Here we go. <clears throat> Part 6. The Terrible Secret. Oh, I named all of these parts, by the way, in case all three of you listening were curious. Anyway, I learned a great deal of Giallo from Arthur. It was a cursed place, not meant for mortals to walk. Arthur was adept at traversing the land and had spent a great deal of his time chronicling his own ventures. He was not interested in sharing his secrets with me, for he said that his secrets were meant to protect the mortals from entering Giallo against their own will. I pleaded. I told of my tale and my woes, but he refused me. It would seem that the denizens of that strange land would not be kind to a mortal. Worse yet, by entering Giallo voluntarily, I had attracted the attention of greedy beings, those that he called Demiurges. The Demiurge were inhuman entities, wholly unconcerned with the waking world. These beings held great power. They sought and clamored for subjects, for mortals they could enslave. Should whatever strange demiurge I found lose interest in me, another will come to find me. My only hope was to do as he said, to perform a special ritual to return to sleep. Now what's curious here is that he capitalizes the word for sleep, as if it were a person. Uh, moving on. He showed me a great book, with many pages filled. It was his collection of all that he had seen. It was unwise to show me such a thing, but he was proud. Perhaps, most of all, he was proud there was another human he could show his life's work. He gave me a copy of the ritual meant to return to sleep. I bid him farewell, and we left cordially with the understanding that we would never speak again. That night, I broke into his office. It was a shameful act, I know, but I was desperate. Arthur was a patient and concerned man, but he was utterly without passion. Perhaps he had learned his lessons, but I could not just wait idly by while my uncle withered. I am a healer and I shall save him. I did Arthur a great kindness, as I merely read the passages I needed and scribbled copies of rituals that would aid me. I did no harm to his book, nor did I steal it. I wonder now, having returned home, if he had left it for me intentionally, for the drawer in which he had kept it had not been locked. 
I returned home with all that I needed to conduct a grisly ritual. According to the notes written by the Englishman, it is possible to traverse Giallo by consumption of the white draft, a concoction quite similar to what I have already created. I dare not share such a recipe with this journal for fear of others making the same choice as I. My uncle continues to weaken. I have little choice. Tonight I shall enter Giallo and find the realm of Shalith. Whew, it's getting more intense. Entry 7. Regrets. I understand now what Arthur meant when he warned me of such a venture. To traverse a world not meant for man is folly. I have done myself a grievous harm by drinking of the white draft. My wound is on display for all to see. Many questions are asked. There is confusion and worry. Those who saw me in the evening before bed gasp at the sight of me in the morning. The servants whisper of devils. My wife believes me to have simply been clumsy. It is a terrible price to pay for such foolishness. My uncle shall die. There is nothing I can do for him now. Entry 8. Consuming. A week has gone by since my most terrible encounter. I feel ready enough now to write down my account. This is not for my sake. No. Rather, for the sake of those who will read my words for generations to come. Giallo was not hard to traverse at first. Upon drinking the white draft, I was brought to an endless realm, a place where all light seemed to shine forever. My eyes, unaffected by the light, could see nothingness. Each step echoed for an eternity. On instinct, I began to think of Shaloth. I shut out all other thoughts, through will alone, focusing only on the land of Shaloth. The white light began to change in shape, contorting around me, shifting until it transformed into a vast land unlike any I had ever seen. There were platforms made of moss floating above me, each no more than the size of a wagon wheel. Upon that moss were thousands upon thousands of pearls, beautiful, smooth pearls. Yet, they shivered and moved, rumbling and vibrating as if agitated. I could hear calls for help, voices of humans begging for assistance, for aid. They called out to me, all moving and vibrating, calling by the thousands. I knew not what to do. And the gardener, the terrible being that tended to the land, arrived. A grub-pale being without eyes nor ears, mouth jagged and head caved in as if struck by a club, came from the shrubbery. Its hand swept around, grasping, searching. I was struck by a terror, a primal fear and could not move. It was twice the size of me, but could not see. Oh, the voices, they begged. They even knew my name. Pierre, they cried, have mercy and take us with you. Take us to the wakeful so that we may finally die. I prayed in that moment to wake up, forgetting all of the rituals that I had memorized. This gardener was malevolent, grunting and hissing, gasping as it swung its hands around in search for me. And those hands, thin and bony, pale as the moon and impossibly long, each digit moving of its own accord. I tried to take a step back, but it was too late. It found me. Oh, those horrible hands found me, and they meant to do me great harm. I remembered the words of a ritual, to awaken instantly and cried out the sacred phrase. But before I could, it found the pearl of my left eye and seized hold of it. I awoke, but found myself to be missing sight in one eye. Further examination would reveal that the eye was gone. There was no fresh wound. It was as if I had suffered that injury so long ago. It wasn't even sore. 
I left my eye in the possession of that monster in Giallo. I shall not return to that realm. My uncle, forgive me. I cannot go back. Whew. Let's, uh, let's take a break, folks. And we are back with Dreamlights, the only podcast with insight into a realm between sleep. That last entry was a real doozy. But I don't want to keep you waiting, so let's get to the last one. Entry 9. Collection. I write this with a trembling hand, for fear of what will befall me once sleep has come to take hold of me. I have not closed my eyes for more than a few mere seconds in the past three days. I am beginning to grow mad from the lack of sleep. But I know that when I sleep next, I shall be taken back to the realm, to the courts of Quaride. He pulled me from a dream during my last slumber, dragging me into his infernal court. Oh, how wrong the pillars seemed, how they bent in impossible directions, twisting and contorting as if they were rope, rope meant to bind me. I stood in the center, hearing his cries of rage. I had betrayed him. I had lied and deceived him. The denizen of Shaloth, the gardener, spoke of my arrival and paid tribute to his master. Affixed to the center pillar, in the middle was my own eye, darting left to right, moving in any which way, always following me. My eye belonged to Quaride now. He wore it as his own. And with that sight, he sees what I see. Worse yet, I am condemned, for a part of me remains in Giallo. I shall never be able to return to sleep while my eye is in his possession. I was able to force myself awake out of Giallo. But I hear his words in the wakeful. The spells and rituals from Arthur, that damnable Englishman, have no effect. I do not know whether he was a fraud or simply an error. But in drinking of the white draft, in finding Shaloth, I have given Quaride a great claim to my body, and he intends to collect. When next I sleep, I fear I shall die. I write this as my last testament. That man should not go to places not meant for him. Let us conquer the sky and the oceans. Let us sail to new worlds and find great treasure. But only when we are awake. And, and that's it. That's the end of the journal. No more entries. No more adventures. I looked up Pierre's biography again on Wikipedia, and it says he died in his sleep due to septic shock. According to the entry, he lost his eye in an accident and uh, died of an infection. His date of death, the same as the last entry in the journal. September 4th, 1805. Tragic, tragic story. I can't even imagine what happened to him, or what is happening to him right now. But the story is just the same as mine, in a way. Some demiurge, some big nasty thing, sought a servant in the waking world. We took the invitation from the Silver Nymph, and both ended up in a place we didn't want to be. The only difference here was that I managed to escape, whereas Pierre sought to tame it. To explore. To understand. I'm not going to comment on his actions. Or at least, I'm not going to condemn him for what he chose to do. He was a man of science. Of philosophy. Explorers die. It happens all the time. From the men who sought to chart the Amazon to the astronauts who were killed aboard the Challenger. Those who are willing to look for truth in new places are putting themselves at tremendous risk. It's the cost of progress. I only wonder in this case if that price was worth it. 
So, that is it for the adventure of Pierre Bouchard. A scientist, a man of medicine, and the first person I've read about who actually knew how to get to Giallo. I have to say, I'm tempted. Really tempted by the fact that I have a recipe that lets me get to Giallo. See, while he claimed that he wouldn't write down the method of using the white draft, I found something interesting on the back of the last page. In different handwriting, there's a new recipe. One that looks like a modification of the silver draft. It's a concoction that would, uh, you know, in theory, allow me to enter into Giallo of my own free will. Which, of course, I'm not gonna do. Uh, that would be insane, right? I mean... No. No, I'm not gonna use it. I just think it's curious that the recipe is, is here. And that it was written by someone else. Still in French, though. Still the same old-school dialect. I just wonder who wrote it. And now it's time to move on to our email section. I'm very excited to read a letter from Chadwick Arquette. He writes, Dear Bernard, I have found this to be a very intriguing show. I just wanted to point out that while you were researching books, you found out about a book written by an Arthur Cunningham, which is coincidentally the same person mentioned in Pierre's journal. Hope you caught it. Thank you, Chadwick. Yeah, I had actually forgotten about the first book, What Lies Between Sleep. You know, because of all the excitement about getting Pierre's journal translated. Your email kindly reminded me that it exists, which is exciting. This at least verifies that Arthur isn't just some crackpot. Although, to be fair, the methods the man had researched weren't working for Pierre. I wonder why. We'll have to look at that in the future. But I think it's time for me to begin reflecting on what I want to do with this podcast. I've been working so hard to translate this journal, and now that I'm done, I keep asking myself, what's the next step? Because I still don't have any answers. I just have more questions. And I do have a potential lead. Well, two leads if you count the recipe for the white draft. Which, no, I don't. I don't. Hmm. You know, I wonder if my French teacher, Miss Bowler, I wonder if she tried out the recipe. Hmm. Maybe it freaked around enough to destroy all the evidence. Ugh, it is a shame she told me not to contact her or else I'd have her on the show to discuss what she found. Ah, uh, oh well. And I think that's going to be it for us today. I have a lot of stuff to think about, mainly the direction of where the podcast is going. I hope you have found these last two episodes to be of great value. I know I certainly did. This is Bernard Sanderson saying, Early to bed and early to rise makes a man of the very least alive. See ya, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to have one of your emails read by me on air, hop on Patreon and subscribe. Your support can help this podcast continue to grow and thrive. Check the show notes or head on over to www.whatliesbetweensleep.com for more info. And I'll see you next week.